0: Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Kili Silafau. Before uh, we get into the word this morning, I just wanted to just pause a little bit and just
1: make a little... Uh, a point clear from last night's presentation. I was impressed at 4.30 this morning to make it clear, just in case it wasn't because I was talking very, very fast. And that was in regards to the point of <clears throat> Revelation chapter 12. The woman in Revelation chapter 12, everyone knows that represents the church. Amen? Because I I remember saying last night uh, Mary and Christ, and there might have been a chance that somebody might misinterpret what I said, that Mary was that woman in Revelation 12. That is not what I meant. Everyone understand? The woman in Revelation 12 is the church. Or God's people. And out of God's people would come the seed, which is Christ. Amen? And who was part of God's people? Mary herself. Everyone follow that? So out of the woman came the seed who is Christ, which would be the church or God's people. And out of God's people, the seed would come forth. Just in case somebody might have heard me wrong and that's my fault because I was talking a little bit too fast God told me last night stop talking so fast you just talk and leave the time to me I was like yes Lord so I just want to make that clear everyone follow that the woman in Revelation 12 is not Mary (laughs) I don't want to be teaching any kind of heresies up here that woman is the church or God's people and out of God's people through Mary Christ the seed came all right glad that's cleared up. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll get right into the study of the Word this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercies renewed unto us this morning. For as we slept last night, it was likened unto death, an unconscious state. We don't know what's going on around us. But when we woke up this morning, it's like a resurrection reminding us to live this day in the newness of life in Christ. And so we're here, Father, on this very special day within these holy hours. It is your day, and we've come to celebrate you. You who is our Creator, and you who is our Redeemer. For the Sabbath is a sign of this. And as we're here, Father, we seek to know you. We seek you while you may be found. We call upon you while you are near. And I pray, Father, that you would do a work in us that only you can do and we cannot do for ourselves. May the Spirit have his way. And may he lead us and guide us in all truth as we open your word. Please forgive us of sin. That may hinder you from listening or answering this prayer. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Taking a look at here, the Australian Government uh, or the Australian Institute of Family Studies, uh, I was kind of looking up the uh, state of the family in Australia, which is b- basically a microcosm of the state of the family in the world. Notice what this says here. I, I quote it there, and then that 's the um, URL there right under the the banner. Quoting here, the 2001 census counted 4,936,828 families in Australia. Almost half, uh, 47%, or 2,321,165 families, were couples with children, and 15.4% were single-parent families. Anyone happen to know what 15.4% of 2,321,165? It's about 358,000. No, I didn't do the math just now. I would be a math whiz if I did. I actually calculated before I came. 358, that's a lot of families. Were couples uh, with children, and 15.4% were single-parent families. Data from the 1997 ABS Family uh, Characteristics Survey showed that 72% of families were with, um, with dependents aged 0 to 17 years were intact couple families, while 21% were single-parent families and the remaining 7% lived in step-families or blended families. Trends in the proportion of single-parent families in Australia showed a marked growth in this family configuration over the past three decades particularly in the number of women acting as the main parent responsible for both childbearing and income support. Among families with dependent children, the proportion of single parents increased from 9% in 1974 to 15% in 1986 to 19% in 1996. According to the June 2000 Labor Force survey, 83% of single-parent families had a female parent goes on to say the vast majority of children 88 percent also live with their mother after parents separate in either single parent families which 68 percent or in step or blended families looking to the future the proportion of single parent families is projected to what everyone increase by between 30 percent and 60 percent up to 2021 is that a lot what that tells us is there's is going to be a lot more broken homes in the future. Now, one broken home is too much to God. Amen? And it should be too much for us. Single-parent homes, 358,000 approximately, that's a lot of broken homes. You know what comes out of broken homes? Broken young people. These trends are linked to the increase in divorce and separation over the past few decades and to a lesser extent a rise in births outside of marriage. In this day of age of broken homes, we live in a world of broken homes. And out of broken homes come broken children, which grow to be broken youth. And it brings to mind that this wonderful promise that we read in our scripture reading in Malachi chapter four, verse five and six. I love the translation that the young person read this morning. But here in the New King James, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will what, everyone? Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. The translation that was read during our scripture reading rendered the word father-parents. I like that translation. Turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to their parents. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a promise to me that God is looking to restore families. Because I don't know about you, but the very first church is the home. This is second level. And a lot of our, shall we say, trying to solve of problems of young people, we're trying to do mostly on the second level when we should address it on the first level. Are we together? Because when you look, first things first, amen. Because when you look at Scripture, there is no youth pastor in Scripture. Uh, there is no mention of youth ministry in terms of isolating them and doing something just on them. The only thing you read in there is, raise up with a child in the way that he should, we should go. Youth ministry in Scripture is home ministry. And nowadays, there's a lot more dependency on youth pastors or youth leaders to do what mom and dad's supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And so God promises in the last days, he'll send Elijah. And the Bible says he, he will turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the hearts of the children to the parents. What I read there is a reconciliation of the home. The healing of broken homes. And what I also see in there is healing of young people. Now I'm not saying we can't heal young people in church. Amen? We can definitely reach them on this level. But what I am saying is, first things first, as we learned last night. The very first church, the very first place that we must address the issues among our young people is in their their homes. In church, that's just once a week. We only see them once a week. I hope you don't wish for your youth leaders to perform miracles when we just only have them once a week. And it's not even the whole day. But guess who has them six days of the week? The real youth leaders. Amen? Amen. No? And so what we're looking at here is when we're talking about uh, the young people, we're talking about true healing. And what we're looking at here, guys, is youth ministry in the home. And I pray uh, that the Lord will speak to our hearts regarding this topic in light of this promise. How many of you would like to see this promise fulfilled? Amen? The issues, the the, the momentous issues that our young people are facing, guys, that are bearing fruit and we see in church, it began in their home before it even got here. The fruits of how they act in church, it started there. So we have to find out what's going on over there in which then it's transferred here. Are we together? We can't do everything else, the marbles, and try to tackle all the marbles when the big elephant in the room isn't touched or talked about. And that's what we're going to do today. And so without this promise, though, is in need of this promise to be fulfilled. Notice again Acts chapter 1, verse 4 to 5 and 8. And being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now, and you shall receive, what everyone? Power, Power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Did you know that the servant of the Lord tells us that a godly home is the most powerful witness of God? than any other thing on this planet. No wonder why the devil has worked hard to destroy that thing. Even to redefine it. And so we have to understand what the home was from the very beginning. Amen? Because God set the tone to inform us of what the home is, and then we just follow in suit. We don't try to recreate the wheel. The wheel was already created in the beginning. All we got to do is just do what it says. And so this is key for us here that our homes need power. Right now, a lot of our homes don't have power. They don't see power in their homes. Young people don't see this kind of s- spiritual power in their own parents. When they come, if they, they don't see it in their parents, they don't see it in their home. But then they come to church and it's double negative because they don't even see it in the church. And so what we need is the Holy Spirit, not just in the church, but especially in the homes. Because all the church is, is individual homes brought together. And so if the homes are revived through the work of the Holy Spirit, what happens when those homes come together? It's a revived church. Step one, home. Step two, church. If we want to see a revived church, we got to work on reviving the homes. I remember I was a youth leader for a little bit, and I was talking about uh, the Sabbath to our young people uh, back in California. And I was talking to them about keeping the Sabbath holy and what the Bible principles of keeping the Sabbath day holy was all about. And uh, one young person raised his hand and says, Can we play uh, football on Sabbath? Uh, Rugby here, right? Over there, American football. Can we play football on Sabbath? I said, well, let's take a look at it. We went through biblical scriptures, and we determined from the Bible, no, it's not a good idea to play football on Sabbath. You know, games that they have at school. They join their teams at their schools, and they play. In in America, most games of high school games uh, and junior high school games are played on Friday nights. So the question was, can we play football? And we went through scriptures, and we we determined that, no, we don't play football on the Sabbath. But you know what the young person said? But my mom and dad said I can. <clears throat> to the young person, it's like, you're not my mom and dad. Why would they listen to me? I only see them for a couple of hours on one day, but mom and dad has them. Who has more influence? Mom and dad does. So I just wanted to bring that delight as we look into the book of Genesis, chapter 2 and verse 7. The Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the... Ground, and what? Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a? A living soul. And so, uh, uh, from here, Genesis chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, The Lord God planted a what, everyone? Garden. A garden. Eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had for. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food... The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and So in the beginning, God created a garden. Uh, what else? Well, that garden was what to Adam and Eve? It was their home. So when we're reading uh, Genesis 2, verse 8 and 9, we're reading about the very first home. And who planted that home? Did God plant your home? Or did you plant it and then ask God to come to it? Homes should be planted by whom? God Himself. Everything we do should be informed by the Word. Amen? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. God planted this home, and there He put a man whom He had formed. And out of the ground uh, the Lord God made every tree pleasant in the sight, good for food. What were the two trees that were in the midst of that home? The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. These were the two trees. They probably didn't look like that, but I'm um, just for illustration purposes. These two trees was in the midst. What's a synonym for midst? In the middle, or in the center of their home. When I'm reading about this home, there must be some significance of these two trees in the midst of their home that should give us a lesson of what should be central in our homes. Because those two things were central in that home. True or False. We're just studying the very first home so we can make sure our homes are patterned after that home. Or this home. So the midst in the middle of the tree, in the middle of the garden, was the tree of? And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what is our tree of life? And what is our tree of knowledge that should be central in our homes? Now obviously I'm not saying to dig a hole in the middle of your living room and grow a tree. Amen? You know, nowadays you just have to really put that ex- uh, disclaimer out there. I'm not telling you to actually literally grow a tree. But these are symbolic. Amen, everyone? These are symbolic. What, are the, what is the symbolism of these two trees that were centered in their homes that should be centered in our homes? Let's take a look at the tree of life. Life. What should be our tree of life? Notice what Acts chapter five, verse thirty says. The God of our fathers raised up who, everyone? Jesus, whom he slew and hanged on a what? What tree was that? The cross. Notice in Acts chapter ten, verse thirty nine, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a what? On the tree. Now, the tree of life, Adam and Eve were to go eat from it. That was, the tree that, God, that was one of the trees, among all the other trees, that God said, go eat of it. Are we together? So the Lord says they would go to that tree and eat it, and there's something about in the fruit that caused them to physically sustain their immortality. Uh, Are the we together? And, and when they sinned, God told them, don't touch that tree anymore. And that, uh, He put a, a, a flaming uh, a sword or an angel there to guard it so that they won't go back and eat and live forever in a sinful state. Everyone following? So notice that you real quickly, side note, a little parenthetical statement here, that the health message, the main primary purpose of the health message is not longevity of life. Because it was never God's uh, a plan for us to live a long time in a sinful state. Which is why He, stu- he told them, don't let them eat from that tree lest they live forever in a sinful state. So therefore, the primary reason, what's the word everyone? Primary reason for the health message is not longevity of life. Should, so that should not be the, the, the central or primary reason why we give the health message. Amen? It's great to talk about blue zones and how Loma Linda and we have a 105 year five-year-olds still driving and lifting weights. That's great. Praise God for that example, but that's not the primary reason. The primary reason for the health message is character development. Are you following? Because there are, people might, some of our, you know, the people that disagree with us in our church, they might say, I know a lot of vegetarians or vegans that still get cancer. So uh, I, I want to reiterate just this little parenthetical statement in our lesson in our this morning, that the health message, the primary uh, essence of the, primary, uh, of the health message is not longevity of life, it's character development. Are you following? What we put into our bodies affects our minds, and what affects our minds affects the character that is being developed. We talked about that yesterday. So, anyways, the tree of life was to cause them to uh, sustain their immortality. Uh, are you following Adam? They were to eat from it, it would sustain their physical immortality. They would eat from it all, uh, uh, all the time. <clears throat> and so, this tree, what tree, what would, what would symbolize this tree for us today, in which we should eat of it, that, that grants us eternal life? Yes. But essentially, what is the center of the Word of God? Christ and Him crucified. Remember Paul said, I profess to know nothing among you except Christ and Him crucified. And so in regards to this tree of life, this tree of life that should be central in our home is the cross. We go to the cross daily and eat from it. Because without the cross, would we have eternal life? Yes or no? No. So we must eat of that. And when we accept Jesus Christ and what He has done for us, we receive eternal, eternal life. Are you following? Whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have eternal, eternal life. So you must eat of this tree every day. Just not literally, uh, again, uh, uh, reiterating here, we're talking uh, symbolically. You eat of this tree, go to the cross, and eat of this tree every single day. Ellen White tells us that pride and self-worship cannot flourish in the heart of the person who goes to the foot of the cross every day. So we must eat of this tree of life. The tree of life that should be central is the cross. The, uh, is central in your home? The, this character of selfless love, putting others before you. The cross must be central in our home. What was the other tree? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. What would this tree symbolize that should be also essential in our home? Notice Romans 3 verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the Knowledge. knowledge of what? Of sin. Romans 7 verse 7, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So the law or God's commandments, that's how we know what is right and what is, what is wrong or what is good or what is evil. So what would be representative of the tree of knowledge of good and evil? The law of, of God. Is the law of God central in your home? The law of God is the written form of His character. The cross is the manifestation of that character. These principles should be central in our, in our homes. How could they come and learn about these principles in church and they aren't exposed to it in the very home? How can we come and sing and say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, but you treat your kids horribly? Through maybe the words you might say, maybe through neglection because you work too much. It's okay, I'll say amen. We live in a world where parents are working, but the television is their babysitter. These devices are their babysitter. And so we're looking at this, guys, and what's central in our home is the character of God. Written form and manifestation form. In God's law and also on the, on the cross. So the two trees that were central in there is the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Notice, which one did God say don't eat? The tree of knowledge of good and, and good and evil. So... What essentially what God was saying His only law was, "Do not eat of this tree," and if they ate of that tree, they would break God's law. Yes or no? So what God was essentially saying is, when I hear God saying, "Don't eat," that may, reminds me of fasting. In other words, what God is saying, fast from that tree, or fast from breaking God's law. Yeah. Are you following? So, notice here again, the tree of knowledge of good and of evil represent God's law. These two principles should be central in our home. You know what's amazing about that? Everyone know the sanctuary, yeah? What is the very beginning of the sanctuary? It's the cross. What's the very end of it? It's His law. The principles of the sanctuary are right there within those two trees, central in the very first home. So it makes sense to restore man or to restore the home, the sanctuary is the answer. Which in essence has the principles of those two very trees. Everyone following? So this is what we're looking at here, guys, is that God is seeking to restore the home today using these very core principles that we find in the tree of life, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Study the word in written form and then do it. Amen? Christ's law is in written form. Christ on the cross is the manifestation of that character. So this is what we're looking at here, guys, as we continue on. So, again, the core principles of the everlasting gospel was central in the very first home. If these principles were central in the very first home, it's no wonder why God says these are the principles that restore it. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 10 to 14 says, Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became what? Four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Bdellium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hedekel. It is the one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth is, which one, everyone? The Euphrates. So we have home. Amen? And the Bible says here that now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. So the garden is the garden of Eden. It's in a place called Eden. Amen? And a river came out of Eden and went through the garden. And then when it went through the garden, from the garden it split into four ways. Everyone following this? Remember when God created Adam and Eve? He says, be fruitful and... And... Fill the earth. Subdue it. In other words, you were created in my image, now make more and fill the whole earth with people with my image. Are you following? That's still the mission for us today. To be fruitful and... Multiply. In order for Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply, they had to know each other. Adults... They had to know each other. Kids, they had to know each other.
2: <clears throat>
1: Amen. <laughs> and when they knew each other, they produced offspring, and then they were fruitful, and they produced fruit that had seed in themselves to reproduce and make more people to fill the earth that had the image of God. When the Christ, I mean, when the... And now the second Adam is who? Christ. If there's a second Adam, then there must be a second Eve. Who is the second Eve? It's the church. When the second Eve and the second Adam come together and they know each other, they produce offspring. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all the things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the... We have to reproduce and create more people in the image of God. Amen? Amen. But we have to know our husband. Not our boyfriend, our husband. (laughs) There's young people here, help me out. So here, the river comes out of Eden, goes into the garden, and it's split and goes four ways. Now if you read, do a little study on the number four in scripture, the number four often refers to the four corners of the earth. True or false? The number four in Scripture often refers to the four corners of the earth. Notice this, very interesting. So the river came out of Eden, came through the garden, and then the Bible says the first one was what? The first river was called what? Pisan means increase. And where was that river flowing towards? That tells me we weren't paying attention while we were... (laughs) The first river was flowing to Where? It is this one which skirts to the whole land of. So Pishon was to go, uh, Gihon was to go forth. We have Hideko, then we have the Euphrates. These are the meanings of these words. Increase, bursting forth, the rapid, and fruitfulness. Uh, Does Christ refer to the Gospel as water? Yes or no? Is the Gospel referred to in the Bible uh, in the form, in the image of water, yes or no? Yes. So this river can be likened to the gospel message. Coming from heaven, coming through the home, and then it's supposed to go four ways into the whole planet. Everyone understand? In other words here, when this river came through them, representing the gospel, peace on, the gospel's intention was for it to what? The gospel is supposed to come from heaven through the home, and it's supposed to burst forth. The gospel comes through heaven through the home and go rapidly out. The Gospels will come through From heaven to the home And what? Be fruitful Everyone, amen? Now you think We think about our own homes Is the Gospel increasing From your home To your neighborhood? Is it bursting forth? Can you imagine the the bursting forth? I I imagine just all this pressure That's building up And then boom! Right? In other words It's like the Holy Spirit Remember when Jesus Talking to the woman on the well? that when you drink of this water, it's going to be like this water inside of you that's constantly, it's like, is the gospel from your home going out rapidly or is it going slowly because you don't have time? We have more important things to do. My kids have a recital. They got a basketball game. They got a soccer game. They got this. But the gospel isn't going rapidly. Is 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 it bringing fruitfulness out of our homes? Or do our neighbors, all they hear is shouting and yelling and cursing? But on Saturdays, we say, Happy Sabbath, neighbor. And the neighbor said, What? You were just cursing yesterday. Are you following? And so notice, Pisan is supposed to go where? To Havilah. Havilah means... You know in Isaiah 40, verse 22, that the earth is called a circle, or a globe. Gihon is going to Ethiopia, or to Kush, which means black. You know the gospel is to go forth into the darkness, call people out of darkness into God's marvelous light? The, gospel, the Hideko went to Assyria, which is a step or to walk straight. You know the gospel is supposed to go forth and call people to walk straight in the narrow path? The path that is to salvation is the straight and narrow. Old Testament says, not turning to the left or to the... If you're not turning left or to the right, which way are you going? Straight. Uh, aren't we called to make the way straight, to make the crooked paths straight? So the gospel is supposed to come through our homes, and, and uh, the Bible doesn't mention anything about the Euphrates going anywhere, but what's interesting is is that this, the Euphrates means fruitfulness. In other words, the gospel come out as fruitfulness uh, to people that in which it's displayed to, and it's supposed to produce other fruit that has seeds in itself to reproduce. Bring fruitfulness and multiplicity into the whole world. Everyone following so far? The purpose of the whole, the whole home. Adam, remember he put him in the home. He says, you are to tend and mend the, tend and keep the garden. That was Adam's work in there. Then the Bible says, go to your Bibles here. I want to make sure that you read this in case I get in trouble. <clears throat> I want you to read this yourselves. Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 15. Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 15. If you're there, say amen. Genesis chapter 2, notice what the Bible says, starting with verse 15. The Bible says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may what? Freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. In what context is God saying this? In what context is God saying it's not good for man to be alone? What's the context? Because we're good Bible studies, right? Bible students. And Bible students know when we study the Bible, we always study it in... Context. You don't want to take text out of context. Amen? So what's the context in which God is saying to this guy, it's not good for him to be alone. What's the context? Loneliness? Is loneliness the context? No. But yet people use that text to convey that. But that's not the context. The context is, Adam, I have given you a work to do. That is to tend and keep the garden. In this context, he says, it's not good for men to be alone. What's the context? To be alone doing this work. So what was his answer? What does it say? Verse 18, And the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a... What's the word there? You see why I wanted you to read it? I don't want to get in trouble with our ladies. I didn't say it. Amen. Uh, you notice the context? Mm-hmm. I will make him a helper. What's a helper for? To help him do the work that he told him to do in the garden. To tend and to keep it. And so he made a helper comparable to, to him. And so notice, guys, again, who is the second Adam? Jesus. Who is the second Eve? Our work is to help Adam tend and keep the garden. Are we together? That's our work. Our work is, now of course, the home is the first church. This church is just the extension of the home. The purpose for that home is the same purpose for this one. What happens there, happens here. So whatever our issue is here, the root is there. Not literally there, but in our homes. Amen? Family life is very important to church life. And as we learned last night from a powerful message from Brother Sebastian, first things first. You see, we're trying to solve the problems on the marble, um, marble level when we need to address it on the baseball level. The home must be addressed. And so that's what we're doing here this morning. So everyone got this here? Here? powerful at the very beginning was the essence of God saw here that the, the, this river was to go out from the home yea the church and then out into the world it's supposed to increase out into the globe bursting forth to the darkness calling people out of darkness into God's marvelous night it's to go rapidly out and to call people to walk straight for, uh, uh, it, it reminds me of the first angel's message fear God give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come calling people to walk straight or else they're going to go straight to where they don't want to go It's not about God trying to be bossy. He's trying to save us. <clears throat> and then, of course, go forth with fruitfulness, producing others who have the seed in themselves to reproduce and fill the earth with people that reflect God's image or character. This says here, healing, a ministry of healing the mission of the home extends beyond its own members. The Christian home is to be an object lesson, illustrating the excellence of the true principles of life. Such an illustration will be a powerful good in the world. Far more powerful than any sermon that can be preached is the influence of a what, everyone? You know, a true home is more powerful than any sermon me or Sebastian or any other powerful preacher that comes in this church can ever do we want to see a revival in our young people? To cre- you know we, when we talked about two nights ago about God creating this army of young people? Contingent upon that is the healing of the homes. So if God is saying there will be an army of young people, what He is saying, and I rejoice in this, is that I'm going to heal the homes that are going to bring forth these young people. Are we together? Because God is a God of order. He doesn't skip His steps He created Himself. He doesn't skip the home and try to solve the problem on level two. He goes and tries to solve the problem in level one. But of course, there are cases where maybe it's so messed up there that He needs to heal them on level two. Amen? But for the most part, God is going to follow His own order and He's going to heal these young people from the home level onto the church level and onward. Are we together? It goes on here, "...upon whom hearts and lives, as the youth go out from such a home, the lessons they have learned are imparted. Nobler principles of life are introduced into other households, and an uplifting influence works in the community." So we know what happened. When Eve decided not... You know when you're supposed to be God's helper? Genesis chapter 3, we're here now. This was the downfall of the home. You know sin came into the world Where? in the very first home. Are we together? Sin entered into this world through the very first home. The impact of the condition of our world is because of the breaking down of the home. Eve was supposed to be helping um, Adam. When you're helping someone, where are you supposed to be? If I said, hey, come help me paint this wall. And you're supposed to help me. Are you supposed to be way over there wandering off doing stuff you shouldn't be doing? Where should you be? Where should you be? <clears throat> Let me tell you something. Stick next to Jesus. If you don't stick next to Jesus and you're not helping Jesus doing what he what we're supposed to help him to do, you're wandering I don't care if you're trying to do all this good in the world. Without Jesus, you can do nothing, and you're making no impact. You're wandering. She wanders into a forbidden area. Well, I should say, into the area where the tree is, where she was forbidden to eat. it. We know what happens next, amen? She starts talking to snakes, amen? Young ladies, when you walk away from Jesus, you start talking to snakes. And Daddy doesn't like snakes, amen? Do you know what we do to snakes? <laughs> you see, snakes talk to the girl without the father's permission. And what is he trying to do? Get her to do something she's not supposed to be doing. Ladies, I know because I'm a guy. I'm just giving you a little insight here. Amen? I'm sure all the gentlemen are with me, yes? Because we used to do that and we don't do that anymore. Hopefully. Hopefully. So she's talking to snakes. Guys, <clears throat> when we wander away from Jesus, we start talking to snakes. And you're supposed to know that t- snakes are not supposed to talk. But she was enamored by it. The spirit of prophecy says that the snake w- had a musical voice. So it brought her in. You ever seen those concerts where guys are doing their concerts and you just see all these girls fainting? Yeah it's because the first woman fell for that musical voice don't fall for the musical voice ladies so he's talking to to Eve and notice the the, the passage here if you still have your Bibles open we're in Genesis chapter 3 there's a dialogue that happens between them is that true or false I gotta move on because I have about 10 minutes 5 minutes so i want to talk really, really fast now, okay? Uh, Genesis chapter 3, and there's a dialogue starting from verse 2. The Bible says, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but through the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Is that tr- statement true or false? It was false because it, it is direct contrast to the statement that God said, When you eat of it, you shall surely die. Look at the next part of, of the devil's statement. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be your eyes will be open. Now, is that true or false? Is that true or false? Look at verse seven. What does verse seven say? Then the eyes of both of them were were open. So was it true? So the first part of the devil's statement was false. Second part of the statement was true. Look at the third part of the statement. It says what? You will be like God, knowing good and evil. evil. Was that true or false? True. That's true. Look at verse 22. What does verse 22 say? Say, then the Lord God said, Behold, a man has become like one of us to know good and evil. So the devil's statement is split, I split up to three parts. The first part was false. The second part was true. The third part was true. Everyone following? So one third of what he said was false, but two thirds of what he said was true. Do you know what you call that? that's called deception. Mostly truth with a little bit of error. Are you following? In other words, 99% truth is 100% error to God. Because there is no error in God. Amen? It must be 100% proof positive in order for it to come from God. But because two-thirds of it was true, one-third of it was false, that's how deception is. If I was to tell you a bold, uh, bold-faced lie, you wouldn't believe me because you say you're a liar. But if I was to tell you mostly truth, and then mix it in with a little bit of error, a lot of people would believe me. And that's how you do deception. And that's how the devil works. Understand, guys. Deception that the devil is bringing in these last days is white, is, is off-white compared to white. It's not white and black. We already know what's black. So he's not going to bring it in into black form, so we're like, oh, that's false. But if he brings it in off-white to try to pass it as white, now you've got to look again. And only those who are fortified with Scripture will know the difference between white and off-white. You better know. I better know. Lest we be deceived, even the very elect. And so this is what uh, we're looking at here. The devil deceives, and therefore she what? She eats, she eats it. The Spirit of Prophecy tells us the, the, the serpent grabs it, bite, bites it, and says, here, now you eat it. She says, oh, no, the snake didn't die, so I might as well try it. Amen? You ever seen that in those commercials? Right? They eat this big, fat, juicy burger. The guy has six-pack in it. <sighs> I never seen a guy like that when I go to the fast food restaurant. <laughs> he doesn't have a six-pack. He has a family pack. <laughs> Amen? The devil is still using the same principle he used in the beginning. See? I didn't die. Now you try it. And we eat it up. This is the downfall of our home. Let me wrap up this. Satan came and he used a serpent to speak to Eve. Now, of course, Satan doesn't look like that, but I just, that's for effect. Amen? He, he comes as an angel of light, but I just use that for effect, just in case. There are all those technical people, and the, they come up to me after sermons like, you know, Satan doesn't look like that. You know that, right? It's like, yes, I do. Just for effect. Thank you. But Satan spoke through the... Serpent, In other words, Satan used a medium to deceive Eve. Medium is singular. The plural form of medium is media. Are you following? Do you know what the devil uses the most to deceive our young people? Yea, our church. He did it in the beginning. He's still doing it today. See? I didn't die. Now you try it. And we eat it up. Causing Eve... Representing of us, the church to fall, the very first home crumbles. Do you know what's in our living rooms today? Now, let me just put a disclaimer out there: There's nothing s- sinful in and of itself of this serpent. Amen. And there's nothing sinful in and of itself of the television. Amen. There's, but it's what's coming through it because we use, you know, say amen for three A B in Australia. Amen. Because we use the media, so it's not the media in and of itself. It's what's coming. Through it. It wasn't the serpent so much, but it was what's coming through the serpent. Amen? Amen. So, when uh, Satan uses media to cause a lot of the people of the church, especially in their homes, to fall, are you following? What's in the center of our living rooms is this thing called the television or the medium where the Satan speaks to us. And we call it the living room. <laughs> the devil is mocking us. And uh, let me wrap it up here because I'm done. I, I, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, don't harm me, but I want to show you this quote real quick. It says here, "The heart of the community and of the church and of the nation is what the well-being of society, the success of the church, the success of the church, prosperity of the nation depend upon home influences." So, the heart of the nation, the heart of the nation is the community. The heart of the community is the church. The heart of the church is the household. Are you following? This was the nation of Israel in the desert. If you were to break them up, remember they were camped in the four areas? Yes, you have the three tribes there, there, there. That's the whole nation of Israel, amen? If you were to isolate each group on each side, you would say that that's like a community. Are you following? Together, they're the nation, but the heart of these nations are these communities. The heart of these communities is the church, right? Uh, notice the, the priests, they lived around the sanctuary, amen? are we a nation of priests? Yes. Amen. So this can represent the church, right? So the heart of the nations are the individual communities, the heart of the communities are the church, and the heart of the church, what's in the middle? Sanctuary. Are our homes like the sanctuary? Mm-hmm. Now I wish... Notice there. You would say that this is the living, God's living room and that's his bedroom if you will now notice here all these furnitures point you to go this way amen all these furniture point this way in your house in in most of our houses all of our furniture are pointing where? I I didn't hear that all of our furniture is pointing to one specific furniture in which the majority of things that come out of that furniture is the image of Satan himself look at God's house all these furnitures are pointing to this one furniture and out of this furniture comes the very character of God. Satan even mocks us in our arrangement of our furniture. Have you ever, deci- have you ever wondered that maybe I should take the TV away and put God's law there. Put a little lamp right over and open God's Word. You know those big gigantic Bibles no one reads. But it's nice. Open it and just put a light over there and say, ah. all furniture. When everyone comes in your living room they sit down like, what's going on? Nothing, God's Word. <laughs> Amen? Amen? I think that's a revolutionary thing we should... Have. Anyways, I'm done. I have to be done. <laughs> Sorry, Charissa, don't meet me up. Let's pray. Everyone, uh, did we learn something about the home? God's promise is He's seeking to restore His home. We learn lessons of how the first one fell down. We can learn lessons from this very first home, how to we're going to be restored. God's going to restore it. Amen? Amen? Father, thank You for Your Word. There's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank You for Your promise through the work of the Holy Spirit that the hearts of the children will be turned to their parents and the heart of the parents will be turned to their children, restoring their homes, restoring our young people at the very first level, the level of the household in which you established in the very beginning. So let it be, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: This message was made available by the Waitara Seventh day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit waitarachurch.org.au.
3: We are now going to hear Love at Home performed by Fountain View Academy.
0: Listen to Bill Ackland as he reads from his book, Talking With God. Today's prayer is entitled, He Trod This Way.
3: And the text to match this is from Luke, chapter 25, and verses 15 and 30. As they discussed these things, Jesus himself appeared and started walking with them. When the evening meal was prepared they were sitting at the table. Jesus took the bread, blessed it, and gave some to each of them. And the introductory thought, There have always been travellers. In ancient times, the earth had to be explored and settled. When trade developed, the caravans of traders moved from place to place and from country to country. The most important travelling man, though, was the Lord, as he ministered throughout Judea and Galilee always going from here to there to meet the desperate needs of the people. May we be this kind of traveller. So now let us pray. O Lord, God of the traveller and of the wayfaring man, the one who knows every straight road and every winding path on this earth, I pray that you will keep me in your way today. The embryonic church soon after our Saviour's ascension was called The Way, even before they were known as Christians. This tells me, Father, that there is a way, a direction, that you want us to go, and heaven's resources are there to keep us in that way. However, I would very much like to walk the roads that Jesus walked, to look upon the hills and the valleys that he beheld in his earthly ministry, to see what he saw, to imbibe the essence of the land that was promised anciently to Abraham and that was made holy by the presence of the Master, the Teacher, our Saviour. I may have left it too late, though, to walk where he walked, so it is now left for me, instead, to walk in the ways of kindness, to stride along the road of duty and obedience, and to stroll quietly by the still waters that flow from your word. Showing others the path of truth and salvation is really far more important than to walk a path That has changed so much through the intervening centuries, although I still would like to do that. The lesson, Lord, for me in all of this is to realize that grace is more important than geography, that love is more essential than location, and that revelations from you enable us to travel roads that we may not choose for ourselves. To walk in the footsteps of Jesus' Father is truly something that we can do if we follow his example if we keep his words in our minds and if we are obedient to his bidding. There will come a day when walking by faith will merge into walking by sight. We can then literally walk in his footsteps as we follow him where he leads in a new and better world. Take me by the hand, Father, and lead me to that place. Amen.
0: To obtain your copy of Talking With God, written by Bill Ackland, give us a call in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au
2: This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.